listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So I wanted to talk about, and this that fit into what I was going to share anyways, I want to talk about silencing the accuser in terms of relationships. And the Lord just just downloaded all this to me this morning. And so forgive me if it's not the most well-packaged thing, but I believe the anointing of God will carry it through. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The anointing of God can take you places that you can never take yourself. I want to look at here at Galatians chapter six, Galatians chapter six. And we're going to start in verse. Actually, I want to start in verse one. I was going to go to verse six, but we'll work up to that because the first part I think is really exceptional. Galatians six in verse one. And one of the things that I've come to find out that is really the, the crux, if I could say it like that, it's like the pinnacle of what ministry is about and what people are about and what, why we're here on this earth, what it's all about. It's about people. It's about relationship with people, and it's about connecting with people. First of all, Jesus, of course, but then having relationship with people to where we're, we're in unity. And, you know, unity, real true Bible unity, it... Um, it celebrates diversity, but it doesn't let the differences come in the way. It's able to have enough maturity to look past the things where we're different in different areas. It actually will celebrate those differences. But even things that we don't agree on, a, somebody who really is mature in the Lord will, able, will be able to look past those things and see the value in having relationship with one another and not just relationship, but covenant relationship. We have a different, uh, different aim and goal than a lot of people in, in life. You know, a lot of people, you could go to work with somebody and they might just be somebody you work with. Um, you can have some people in your, even in your blood that, you know, like uh, cousins and things like that, they might even be blood to you, but it's not the same as like a covenant relationship that the Lord would develop amongst your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, I heard it's put like this, that the the blood of the lamb is thicker than the water of the womb. And I found sometimes that the closest and most powerful relationships, and I can, I can speak for that, the closest and most powerful relationships I have in my life aren't necessarily the ones that I came out of the same womb with, but it's the ones that have been covered in the same blood as me. Something really significant about when we all come to a place to say we all need Jesus and we're going to run together in that thing. So what, what I've found uh, over the years in pastoring is the very first thing that the enemy, next to your mind, the, the next thing the enemy will always come and attack is relationships. Not just ones inside of the church, but also family members and different things, ones that are important, covenant relationships that will always come to work uh, to bring destruction there because relationships are, ex- are extremely important to help us fulfill what God has for us and for other people to fulfill what God has for them. We need each other. So this is why you'll find the enemy will so often come in and, and ruin and destroy relationships. But I just believe that we're, we're more solid than the rest of how the world does things. Amen. And maybe we're a little more solid than the average Christian because we have a love that is so alive on the inside of us. It just doesn't matter what other people are doing. It just doesn't matter how they think and what they believe about us. We're so solid and grounded, and I'm, I'm prophetically saying this over you. You are so solid and grounded and hardwired with the love of God that nothing can move you concerning what people do or say or think concerning you. Amen. Amen. How many of y'all need to receive that? Thank you, Jesus, that we're just not moved about the way that people think. You know what? It's not just how people think. Sometimes it's, it's how we think they think about us. The word talks about in Titus that Paul wrote to, to Titus, and he said that an elder or a bishop, that person that's desiring that, that they need to not be drunk with wine. There's a, several things that he said, not be drunk with wine, but also be sober-minded. And I remember reading that thinking, well, what the heck is the difference between being sober or being sober-minded, not being drunk? Because if you're drunk, then you're not in your right mind, amen? So he was saying, don't get drunk with alcohol. But he was also say, be sober-minded. And if you go and you break that down, he wasn't the part, the sober-minded part wasn't talking about alcohol. It was talking about the way that you think, that you're solid and you're steadfast in your thinking. And in specific, you don't get into speculative imagination. You want to know what destroys more relationships? This is my opinion, but destroys more relationships than anything else is when people get into speculation about what somebody else is doing, how they think, or what they believe concerning you or whatever situation. But if we're going to be the people that God called us to be, we have to get out of, of speculative imagination. When somebody says something, you just take them at face value. One of the challenges concerning this, especially for a church like ours, 
that we are, and I hate to even say this because I don't have time to explain it, but we are an apostolic church, meaning that we're on the move. You know, when Jesus uh, established his apostles, um, it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just an old uh, English name. It had a very specific meaning behind it. And he was saying, you are my sent ones to go and carry my kingdom throughout the earth. It's a, it's a forward movement. And so we're a very forward moving church. And if you're not interested in moving forward, a lot of people feel uncomfortable around here. And that's just fine with me because I, like I like forward moving people. I like people that aren't forward moving, but it's easier uh, for people if they just take on the same mindset of saying, we are gonna grow, we're gonna move, we're gonna change, we're gonna advance the kingdom of God. Well, one of the things that's necessary concerning that is you have to have watchmen on the wall. And whenever you have watchmen that are on the wall of the city, on the wall of the church, if you will, if we're not careful, we can turn our focus more inside the walls than outside the walls. Just let that sink in for just a moment. Because really our enemy is outside. Our enemy is not with the people that are inside. And our enemy is not with people outside or people inside. It's with the enemy that would try to come, come in and sometimes rise up. And that's why watchmen on the wall can be very important to look inward also. But if we're not careful, we can look so hard inward that we get into speculation about why did they say that? Why did they say this? Why are they doing this thing? Who knows? A lot of times people are just people. People are funny. People are strange. People are weird. People do strange things. How many of all can relate to that? I think everybody's a little bit strange. I think I'm a little bit strange. I find myself doing and saying things, and I think, what in, I what in the world am I thinking? What am I doing? Come on, anybody can relate to that? Yeah. People are just people. But what we don't want to do is get into speculation about why people are doing the things that they're doing. We need to look and think the very best about the people that God's brought us in covenant relationship with. And we need to silence the accuser concerning things that he would say about us, about them and about anybody else around in our circles. Because covenant relationships are what it's all about. I'm telling you, it is what it's all about. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. Well, I am gonna go there in just a moment, but I, let me say this about the book of Ephesians. I've ministered on that many, many times over the years. But when you take the whole book of Ephesians and you look at it from chapter four all the way till chapter six and verse 10, it's talking about every kind of relationship you could talk about. And then when you get to chapter six and verse 10, it says, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the full armor of God that you can stand in the evil day. Why does he say that? It's because the, first, the, the two and a half chapters before that are talking about relationships. Where does the enemy come in and attack people? It is in relationships always. It's in our minds, which often is in speculation about other people in relationships, but it's in our minds and it's in relationships with people. So this is what I'm saying today is that watchmen on the wall over our minds and over each other, we're going to silence the voice of the enemy. We're going to stop the accuser in relationships. We're just going to make a determination. We're going to make it a covenant with the Lord in our hearts that we're going to stop the accuser coming against us in Jesus' name. Amen. Who in here could agree with that, that that's something we need to take hold of? Hallelujah. So look here in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken... In a trespass, in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, or considering, yes, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, we could put in a lot of different kind of things there concerning what kind of trespass. I think most people think, you know, if somebody is... Um, you know, if somebody's doing some blatant sin or whatever, that we should restore that person. And I agree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. But I think in context, you're going to see that this is talking more about how we treat one another than anything, than anything else. And I think that whenever somebody treats you wrong, that you have a responsibility to, uh, to lift the burden off that person, the hurt, the anguish they, ha they have inside of them. Because if people are offended and hurt, they've got something going on inside of them that's not right. And we have to be able to look at that person and say, okay, I see that they're talking really, they they're, uh, have an unruly tongue and they're lashing out at me or whatever it is, but there's another hurt that's going on deeper inside of that person. I, like a good father, I'm going to lay up for them and not look at the problems that they're manifesting, but look at whatever the heart condition is going on and help to bear that person's load, help to bear that person's burden. Amen? Amen? See, that's not really normal according to the flesh because when people lash out at us, we like to lash out right back at them. Amen? And by the way, and I didn't really want to get into this, but let me just say, and I'm, 
I'm going to be more careful myself. But the, the enemy is a divisive person. The Lord is not a divisive person. Agreed? So most of us in here probably are on social media. For those of you that are not, God bless you, and I'm thinking of becoming more like you. But do you know that it is, I just found this out recently, it is designed by the designers of what, Facebook and all that, that they're trying to create division between people. We all know that we have differences. We could probably, there's probably even different political views and stuff like that in this room. But when it comes down to it, we have to, we have to f- see that the division that's going on comes from the divider. It comes from the accuser. It comes from the enemy. It doesn't come from God. So just stepping back, I think it could be really good to go, what am I partaking in that's bringing d- division, which comes from the enemy, and what am I partaking in that's bringing life and unity, which comes from the Lord? Because I don't know about you, but I found myself seeing some knuckleheads doing some knuckleheaded things like on Facebook, making knuckleheaded posts, and that's the nice way of saying it, that I think, my gosh, I'd like to just crawl right through the phone and, and wring their necks. But when something's rising up inside of us like that, we need to step back and go, wait a second, what's causing me to think like that? Why am I responding or reacting to people like that? And I've come to the conclusion that it's really the enemy. And I just, show of hands, who in here has been in a uh, Facebook uh, war over, don't raise your hand on this part. (laughs) Who in here has been on, we'll say a social media war and changed the person's mind on social media? Who in, here's, who in here has won that war? Now, let me see. Who, honest to goodness, who in here has been in some kind of social media war? Come on. Now, I want to see an honest show of hands. Some of you just don't want to raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, well, I'll just say me, mostly, and then probably like 10, 10 other people. Well, praise God. <laughs> but you wanted to say something, didn't you? And you just restrained yourself. Good for you. But, you know, I had to go back and find, like, like, what is that accomplishing? It makes you upset and disturbed and angry and whatever, and the other person has way less respect for you because you're trying to type a whole theology and a little bitty paragraph on whatever it is that you're on. It's really not a very good idea. Where does that come from? It comes from the enemy, and I just totally exposed myself. And it's difficult because there, is, there, is, there are people... And there are people that will follow me and then I'll see things they put and I think they are so far off the mark if they could only see what the word says. But they're not gonna get the word on punching in a few whatever comments or something like that. All it does is just aggravate them and irritate them and then make me be tumultuous on the inside. (laughs) Amen. So we we need to recognize these things. I feel like I just exposed myself as being the worst person in the room more than everybody else. But y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen? We need, to see, we need to see that that stuff comes from the devil. It doesn't come from God. Amen? Let me continue reading here. It says in verse 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and that he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. For each one shall bear his own load, which sounds contradictory to verse two, where it says to bear one another's burdens. But I think this is talking about when you see other people that are, that are burdened, that you do your part, you do your load to help ease that other person's burden. And in verse six, it says, let him who has taught the word share in all things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know what I've found is that it's easier to get along with people that you don't go to church with. And you might say, well, I don't feel that way. Good for you. I've not felt that way my whole life. I can get along with people outside of the church way easier. And I think the reason is, is there's no expectation. We don't expect people in the world to rise to a certain level because they don't have Jesus. 
But yet when it comes to our relationships inside the church, we look at people that have Jesus and we expect them to be at a level that they're just not at yet. I think it's a great deal of wisdom that we could just look at each other and say, you have not arrived. (laughs) But it's no problem. Because our unity goes deeper than the fact that you haven't arrived. And I haven't arrived. And I thank you for having mercy on me because I haven't arrived. Amen. There's a reason why he says to do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And if you go back and you look in verse 6, it says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. I think what this looks like is that I'm here, and I'm teaching you, and I'm sowing seed into your life. And what this is saying is that you should partake of the same thing and share of the same thing, that just as I would sow good seed into your life, you would take it and sow good seed into other people's lives. Find the good in them. Dig for gold. Don't dig for dirt. Everybody's got dirt, but you know what? Everybody has gold in Jesus. People in and of themselves are not all that great, but we have a responsibility to regard no person according to the flesh, but according to how God has made them. We just need to make a determination that we're going to dig for the good stuff that God has placed in them until they get to the point to where it's uncovered because we've been so loving to them. We've uncovered all the dirt, uncovered it, not exposed it, but taken it off so that the good can shine through. I'm so glad people did that for me and and do that for me. I love the people in my life that can look past my inconsistencies and my fallacies and my issues and can say, I see the good that is in there that God has placed in you. And that's what I'm going to work to expose. I'm going to work to expose the good stuff. Amen. Man, that's a really powerful word. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But notice here it says... Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And that's what we want, right? We want to sow to the Spirit. It says, let us not grow weary while doing good. And that's talking about sowing to the Spirit. And in context, it's talking about relationships. And I believe that it's saying, let us not grow weary while doing good to sow into other people, relationally speaking. Don't grow weary of doing that. Let me ask you a question. Why is it so easy to grow weary in doing good and not in doing bad? That's a really legitimate question because when we see all the, the yuck going on in relationships and people and whatever, it's so easy to look at them and to see the negative stuff, but we have to work to find the positive stuff. We have to work to see the positive stuff. Even in the most awesome person, I've, I've found this over the years People have more respect for me the less they know me. Because, see, it's easy to walk into a church and see the men of the cloth, you know. (laughs) Until you get to, to know the man of the cloth and you realize he's just a human like everybody else. Makes mistakes like everybody else. But the way that we're supposed to honor people and show respect towards people shouldn't have to do with their mistakes, but it's who they really are. You shouldn't, you know, it's, it's like this. You shouldn't follow a leader who's going down the wrong path. I, I would say that all day long. But you shouldn't not follow a leader because they make mistakes or because there's certain things that, they don't, that you don't like about it. There's things that I don't like about you, but I don't make you quit following me. People are people. Your expectation for people should be low, but your hope should be high. When I found, and I'm not saying I practice it perfect, but when I found this, this out years ago with people to have high hopes and low expectations, whenever they didn't meet my expectations, I wasn't disappointed because my expectations were really low. And that could, sound, that could sound bad, but in my heart, I'm thinking, Lord, I'm believing for them to go far. I'm for, believing for them to do great things. I'm believing for them to, you know, see miracles and whatever it is. But if they didn't measure up to whatever I thought they should measure up to, it was no big deal because my expectations were low. That might sound bad to some of you because you go, man, I believe God's expecting great things. Well, I think God's got it figured out how to, how to expect and not be disappointed when we don't 
follow through. But sometimes we put so high expectations on, on our own selves and on people that when they fail in our eyes, we become disgruntled with them and we become discouraged with them and upset with them. And all of a sudden the unity is, is broken. And the thing that God was trying to do amongst us is completely destroyed because we allowed disunity and division to come in between us. Amen. I like this. This challenges me. It does. But we have to remember something where our enemy lies, and it is not with people. It's the enemy. It's the accuser. It's the wicked one. It's the liar. It's the father of all lies, Satan himself. And it says, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap if you faint not. You know what I look at this and how I'm seeing this? I'm looking at people and I'm going, okay, you know what? They, you, are my field. Your heart and your life is my field and I'm going to sow into you, not fleshly things, but I'm going to sow into you the spirit, life, and the word into your life. And even if I give you something and you don't know what to do with it, it doesn't matter because that word wasn't mine anyways. It was the Lord's. And he's got plenty of seed. He gives seed to the sower. I'm going to sow good into your life. Even if when I reach down to pull something out that's hurting you and it's, it's a thorn, a.k.a. your mouth and you bite me or whatever it is, I'm going to keep sowing good into you anyways because that's what the Lord does. That's what he does for us. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's something that Jesus carried that I have to be honest that most of us don't carry to the level that he did. And that is that he was able to look at the, think of the epitome of it. He was able to look at the very people that hung him on the cross. And he said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. If they really could only see what they were doing, they wouldn't do the thing that they're doing. You know what that, you know what that is? That's, that's bearing other people's burdens. In a sense, it's bearing other people's burdens. Because people, I believe that people, it's kind of, there's kind of two sides to one coin. We were born children of the devil, right? And that's how we phrased it. But we were born automatically into sin. But on the other side of that, I believe that people are inherently good. I think that 99.9% of people wake up every day wanting good for their home, wanting good for their life, and wanting good for the people around them. And the only reason we don't continue in that is because the deceiver, Satan, has deceived us to looking and sowing into the flesh and not looking and sowing into the spirit concerning our relationships with people. I'm just, I'm, I'm now hardwiring myself to look at people and look for the good that God has in them and not look for the negative, not look for the bad. Everybody's, everybody's got bad and everybody has people in their life that look at the bad. I want to look for the good in the people that God has placed in my life. That's what I want. I want to be that person. I don't want to look at the negative stuff because I don't want people to look at my negative stuff. I don't want people to look at the, the areas where I've fallen and where I've missed it and where I've blown it. I want people to look at that and go, you know what? We can see where your heart's at. We can see where you're going. We're going to look past the issues and we're, going to, we're, going to, we're just going to bless you and whatever anyways. I like that because that's what God did. That's what God did through Jesus. Imagine if somehow or another you could take your child, your only child, and you could sacrifice that child to have relationship with all of the good people in the world. You probably just, let me rephrase that, humanly speaking, you would never do that. But God sent Jesus that he would die while we were still sinners, knowing that some would receive him and some would reject him, and yet he still died even for the people that rejected him. So we have a responsibility to go, thank you, God, for what you did for me through Jesus. I'm going to pick up your mantle, and I'm going to run with that, that same heart concerning the people around me. And even when they disappoint me, even when they come against me, even whatever, they don't meet my expectations, it's not going to change what I do towards them and how I sow towards them, how I believe about them. Hallelujah. Let me show you this in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to finish here. Ephesians 6. 
and like I said, the first chapters, or the chapters 4 through chapter 6 and verse 10, deal with relationships. And I want to hit this from a little different way than what I've ever talked about this before. Everybody doing okay? And look here in verse 10. Before I read this, I want to say that what I really believe needs to happen is there has to be, and this is what I'm praying, as we just finished up our time here this morning, that the Lord takes this very simple word through me and plants it in your heart and you allow God to cultivate it and make it bigger and stronger than whatever I could do with it. But we need to make a determination that we're going to continue to do good towards people. Don't grow weary in doing good. For a due type, you will reap if you faint not. Because a lot of what we do when we, we, and it shouldn't be from selfish motivations, but we put good into people hoping that we'll see good and that it will even bless us in the process. I mean, we do that with relationships. We befriend people if we understand how friendship works. We befriend people hoping that we can have that reciprocated to us. But what happens if it isn't reciprocated to us? What happens if they aren't friendly to us? What happens if they aren't nice to us? What happens if they do whatever they're going to do? Are we going to stop? Here's the question. Are we going to stop doing good towards people in relationships? Are we going to make a determination that we are going to sow, we're going to love, we're going to give, we're going to bless, we're going to encourage, we're going to strengthen, we're going to help any way we can? Are we going to make that kind of commitment towards the people of God? Because remember, it says it, is, it said especially towards those of the household of faith. And I think the especially is because there is an especial assignment, a special assignment from the enemy to come in and rob people of relationships with other covenant people in the household of faith. This is why we have to be particularly good and particularly uh, intentional to help and bless and encourage and strengthen other people in the house of God. Are we going to make a commitment? I'm asking you, are you willing to make a commitment to say, I'm going to keep sowing into people's lives. I'm going to keep giving them and blessing them and encouraging them and strengthening them and loving them regardless of what they do towards me. Because if you can find people that do that, this is, this is a strong statement, but a great one. If you can find people that would do that, you would, there would never be another problem in church ever again. Because that means that they would be operating in love all the time. And when love's at work, nothing ever fails. Love never fails. Ever, never, ever, ever. All the way through eternity, it never fails. Hallelujah. I want to read this to you here, and then I want to hit on a couple of very quick things. It says in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. <laughs> Sometimes when you're dealing with people, you need God's strength and God's power and God's might. Amen. And it's the truth. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles means cunningness. It means craftiness. It means deception. When somebody lashes out at me or I lash out at somebody, then the person doing the lashing out is simply deceived. Because if they weren't deceived, they would be loving that person with the same love that God loved them with. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I know we know this. I know we've heard this. I grew up reading this, quoting this. But yet how many times do we need to come back and say, Lord, help me remember this. We do not war against flesh and blood. The people sitting next to you, the people in your home, the people at your job, the people that you have relationship with on any level are never. Everybody say never. never. Everybody say never. never. Everybody say never. never. They are never the problem. It's always Satan. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So it tells us the problem, and then it gives us the solution for the problem. It says, therefore, make sure that you grab a hold of that person, stick them in the corner, slap them in the face spiritually with a word from the Lord, make sure and turn them upside down and shake all of their nonsense out so that they can hear the word of the Lord and they can be straightened out to do what's necessary. Oh, excuse me, I was reading the wrong chapter. But isn't that so many times what we do? It's like 
that person is just deceived. And it's like, wait a second, whoa. I think you are deceived by how you're responding to the thing. If they are deceived, let them be deceived. You make sure that your heart stays right and your actions and your words and everything else is correct towards them. Let God deal with that person. You and I are never anybody else's Holy Ghost. Except for Liz, she's my Holy Ghost. But beyond that, we are... <laughs> see, God can use people if we're open and receptive. God can use people to help us, to help us see things that we may not be seeing. But sometimes, you know, God will use people to say, hey, I'm seeing this. But it's never our job to go in and dig and hammer on people to get them to change. That's what the Holy Ghost is there for. Because he knows how to go in with the exact uh, scalpel of the word and everything in the spirit to really help us cut away the things that don't need to be there. I've grown more with these two things being at work together. People loving me and allowing the Holy Ghost to change me. So I've just determined I'm going to just love people and I'm going to allow the Holy Ghost to just change them. And there can be a very, you know, there's a whole teaching and topic on, on mothering and fathering. And, you know, Paul has this, had this great relationship with Timothy to where Timothy was his son in the faith. And so he was able to, to help him and correct him. And he told Timothy, he said, do the same thing. He said, you know, rebuke, correct, exhort, um, all of those kind of things. So there's a place for all of that. But when it comes down to it, all of us are hardwired by God to have a relationship with him. Sometimes we need help from other people, but it's never to be hammered on. It's just to be loved through it. Hallelujah. So let me show you this. It says, therefore, in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. When is the evil day? The evil day is when the enemy attacks your mind and he attacks relationships. When he attacks your mind and when he attacks relationships. I've said this before and I'll say it again. He does not work through power. He works through deception. It's the only way the enemy can work because Jesus in Colossians chapter two and verse 14, it says that he triumphed over them. He triumphed over them. Speaking of the enemy, and he paraded and made a public spectacle of the enemy. The enemy is a defeated foe. He's been stripped of all of his power. That's why it says he goes around as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He looks like one, but he's nothing unless you believe that he is something. It's, it's, like, it's like if you could imagine a lion that had no claws, no, no claws, none whatsoever, and they had no teeth. But if you didn't know that, then you could be scared of the very thing that had zero power to do any hurt to you. And then what happens is that you would pull back. Imagine, I just nearly got attacked by an elk for anyone that saw my, uh, my Facebook post. It was pretty wild anyways. And that thing had, and it wasn't even, a, it wasn't even really that big, but he was still probably like four or 500 pounds. I mean, that's, that's big. And, but they get a lot bigger than that. And he had, I mean, his antlers on him were like that, that big. And he was running right towards me. I was like, oh, Jesus. And uh, anyways... I could see that that thing could have hurt me because of his horns and everything. And so, but you know what? A lot of times, you know, people, they think, they believe something. I don't know how the elk thing came into it. But anyways, they believe something about the enemy that's not really true. They don't realize he's been, he's been detoothed and he's been declawed. And all he could really do is slap you and gum you. <laughs> he appears to be something that he's really not. And I found this in relationships where it usually gets broken down is that he will come in with deception and he'll say, this person thinks this about you. This person has said these things about you. This person believes this way about you. This person is da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever you fill in the blank. And he's got us backed into a corner and totally paralyzed in fear, thinking that more has happened, more is taking place than what really is. When the evil day comes, when the enemy comes in with accusations about your brother and sister, you choose to sow to the spirit and not sow to the flesh anymore. Don't believe anything about them. Believe what comes out of their mouth. Take them at their word. Why? Because inherently they are good people that want to do good. And if they need changing, let the Holy Ghost change them. Let God change them. Amen. It says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Notice it says being watchful to this end, being watchful, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, not a little bit, but with all and supplication for all the saints. He doesn't say be watchful for just the ones that you like or just the ones that you don't like and have perseverance with the relationships that you really value versus the ones that don't have a whole lot to offer you and only do it for some of the saints some of the time. It's all the saints all the time with all perseverance, with all of the things that God has to offer for that person, regardless of how that person is towards you. Because your mind is so hardwired by God that you wouldn't let anything that anyone else would do or think or you believe they're doing or thinking come in and affect you and affect the work of the Lord concerning what God says and what God's doing. We need, to be, we need to be so wired in what we're doing and so honoring towards the work of the Lord that we could step back and say, Lord, don't ever let me become part of the problem, but Lord, help me become part of the solution. If there's something there, Lord, I will humble myself. I will lay myself down just like Jesus laid himself down. Just like Jesus carried my burden, my offense, he loved us because we first loved him. We love him because he first loved us. There, I said it right. We didn't love him because we were lovely. We loved him because he is lovely. But he's so lovely to us because of who he is, but also because he chose to love us in the midst of our complete and utter total messed up mess. He chose to love us. That's what drew us to him. Amen. So the same way that Christ fulfills and carries our burden, so we should do to other people. But don't be deceived by the enemy coming in. And a lot of times it's just, sometimes we're just super spiritual and overanalyzing things when we just simply need to look and go, you know what, I'm gonna operate in love here. And I'm gonna put on, I'm gonna put on, the armor of God, it's God's armor that's going to keep me from thinking and believing and doing things different than what God would do concerning relationships. So when it comes to the breastplate of righteousness, when we put that on and all of the armor of God is in the spirit of your mind, all of it goes on in the spirit of your mind. Why? Because your mind is the place the enemy attacks. He doesn't just come and, and just do a bunch of stuff and, you know, I understand that things can happen. They can be attacks of the enemy. Uh, my voice sounds like this a little bit because I was under attack. I don't understand all the things about that, but I do know this, that I came out of it saying, I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. But if I wasn't careful, I could have sat and thought, why is this happening? Why is this going on? Immediately enter into fear and allow the enemy to come in and bring destruction in my life. So this is in the spirit of your mind. So when it comes to the breastplate of righteousness, Righteousness says when you put it on, remember, you put the armor on for the sake of other people. This isn't you going, you know what? If you really had the belt of truth on, you wouldn't say such nonsense. <laughs> That's not how it works. You put the armor on and you allow the armor to do its work concerning you and protecting you and, and protecting the work of the Lord for you and, and people you're relation, in relationship with. So righteousness says that what you think about me doesn't change what I think about you. Whatever you think about me, whatever you say about me, or whatever I think you think about me doesn't change what God says that I am and who he says that I am. Yes. And a person that's strong and, and their identity in Christ will never be moved by what somebody else says or thinks. Good. Say that again. Come on. Yeah, amen. <laughs> we need some more feedback in here. That was really, really powerful. A person who is secure in their identity in Christ will never be moved by what somebody else says or thinks about them. Never. And the motivation is, I wouldn't want anything that that person says or does towards me to have an impact on the unity that's between us. Because I care more about the work of God and about them than I do about my feelings in the situation. And even if they told me a bunch of nonsense and lied about me, it doesn't change who I really am. It doesn't change who I am in Christ. Wow. The belt of truth says what's happening in the natural is lesser 
than what's happening in the spirit. Truth speaks to facts. The spirit speaks to truth. I didn't say that right. Natural things. The facts speak to the natural. That's what I was trying to say. The facts speak to the natural. Rewind. Facts speak to the natural, but truth speaks to what's true in the spirit. What you can factually see happening with somebody is not true about who they are in the spirit. This is why it says that we regard no one according to the flesh. Everybody's got flesh. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got stinky stuff. But we don't regard them that way. We regard them according to the truth of what God says about them. If you're having trouble in your heart towards somebody, then take the truth of the word of God and start saying what God says about them. Start declaring what the Lord says about them. Your attitude will change real fast. Amen. Plus, I've come to find out I don't want to look at, at people's. I feel like the more that I would look at somebody's natural stuff and be like, I can't believe God will go, well, okay. Let's pull the log out of your own eye. I don't like God to do that to me. I mean, I like him to deal with stuff that needs to be dealt with, but I don't like it when it comes that way. I like it when it's like I'm in his presence. He's like, son, let's work on this. But when I go to him, I'm like, can you believe? And he's like, well, let me tell you about some issues you got. I don't like that. So anyways, look at people for who they are in the spirit. Peace, the gospel shoes of peace says, I refuse to be in turmoil in my own heart first, and then I refuse to be in turmoil towards you. Where there's turmoil, there's no peace. So many times in relationships, we get worked up and things get sour because we don't have peace in our own heart towards people. Let's just get to a place where we just have peace towards them. Who cares what, who cares what they're doing? I love, you know, Pastor Bobby, you guys have heard me mention, and I told this story, I'll tell it really quickly. I love this that he had this man that was in his church. And I mean, I don't, I, maybe I just haven't arrived to a level of love. I'd probably do something different than what he did. But this guy was in his church and he kept, you know, he was, uh, he kept telling Pastor Bobby, he said, I'm going to kill you. He'd come to church and he'd come up to him and say, I'm going to kill you. And he'd say, no, you're not. No, you're not going to do that. <laughs> and a little time would go by, he'd say, I'm going to kill you. And he was, I don't know, he was just demon possessed or something. I don't know what the deal was with him. Finally, he comes to Pastor Bobby and he says, uh, Pastor Bobby, I need to ask for your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? He said, no. And the guy was just dumbfounded. Like, Are you, do you talk about forgiveness and love all the time? He said, I already forgave you a long time ago. And when I heard that, when he told me that, it really, really challenged me. Am I, would I be willing to forgive somebody even before they ask for forgiveness? Because when you forgive somebody, it changes your disposition in your heart, whether it does theirs or not. Amen. But the greatest outcome, the greatest possible outcome that you're going to have is when you go ahead and decide to do that before they ask you. Yes. Because then you'll be in a place of, like Liz always says, a place of being in response instead of being in reaction. Because a forgiven, someone who walks in forgiveness won't have that person come up and, and tell them, you know, I'm so sorry for what I did and go, yeah, well, you know what? I really wanted to talk to you about that. They won't do that because, you know what, brother, sister, it's no problem. I forgive you. And there might be some things you need to work out. I'm not saying that. But the forgiveness issue is already a done and a settled thing. Amen. That's how you get peace in your heart concerning people. Faith, the shield of faith says, I will believe the best about you above anything else. I will believe the best about you above anything else. Sounds like love, doesn't it? Well, faith works through love. Because love believes the best about people all the time, regardless of whatever. The shield of faith will raise itself up and believe the best about people all the time. The helmet of, of salvation says, I will, uh, I will guard my mind when I consider you to guard you and see you. I can't read my writing. This came to me really early this morning. But basically, the helmet of salvation... Oh, yeah. To guard you and to see you rescued. Because when you can see a problem with somebody, you know, it's not that we're blinded. It's just that we're choosing not to react, but to respond properly to people that have problems. And with the helmet of salvation, we think not only the best about us in the situation, but we think the best about them. And the salvation is, is the Greek phrase soteria. And it literally means to, to be rescued. 
I want to believe that when I see somebody stuck in some kind of whatever, that instead of judging them, I go, you know what, Lord? I want to see that person rescued. Because your salvation can rescue them out of the, the pit, the, the, the whatever, just like it did me. Oh my gosh, to think about where I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And God rescued me. Lord, I'm going to have that same mind towards them. And then the sword of the Spirit says, I will say what God says about you. I will destroy the enemy with the word of the Lord concerning you. You don't destroy the person. You destroy the enemy trying to come against the person with the word of the Lord. That's our offensive weapon, is that we take the word of the Lord through prayer, through whatever it is. And sometimes what we need to do to destroy what's been spoken or what's been thought of in our own heart towards another person is go into our prayer time with the Lord and begin to declare and speak and say what God says about that person. That's intentional and it has nothing to do with feelings. When feelings get involved, you don't do this. Feelings are, are fleshy. Feelings are supposed to be an indicator. They're not supposed to be the engine. It's kind of like when your check engine light comes on, and the older car you get, it's like it's always on, it seems like. But anyways, <laughs> when the check engine comes on, check engine light comes on, it's, it's not the engine. It's an indicator of what's going on in the engine or something related to it. So when we have feelings that are not right towards somebody, because God gave us feelings. There's nothing wrong with feelings. When we have feelings that are not right towards somebody, it's an indicator that we should go in and say, Lord, I want you to go in and do a work in me to where this light stops blinking and I can just love them just like they are. But if you can do that, I mean, this is all Holy Ghost. You guys have no idea. You have no idea. I hear the groan of goodness in the spirit, like, whoa, I needed to hear this. You have no idea where my mind and my body was at 6 a.m. this morning. You have no idea. It is only by the grace of God that I'm standing here right now. Everything that's coming out of me, I didn't think about it at all, which I don't recommend normally for teaching and preaching, but I didn't think about it at all. This was all God, which I know it's always all God, but when you're really out of the way, it really causes you to have to trust the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, thank you. When you go into the place with people and, and, and prayer or whatever it is, you get your feelings out of the way. You declare the word of the Lord over them. And then you watch how God can change that situation. And you don't even have to say anything to the person because you're taking care of it in the spirit. Because who's your enemy? It's not the people. It's the enemy. It's Satan. I want to show you one more verse. And we're going to close with this very quickly. Isaiah chapter 54. Man, who's got some good stuff out of this? Man, I'm telling you, this, I needed this. This is awesome. Isaiah 54. You know, I say that sometimes I'll, I, people will say, well, that's kind of conceited. I just told, I just got to tell, tell you, there's not anything I'm saying that's of, that's of my ability. It's God's ability. So I should say amen to that. Amen. Amen. Look here in verse 17 of Isaiah 54. It says, no weapon. Do we have this pulled up here? Here we go. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. I want you to notice what it says. Every tongue which rises in judgment, you, against you, in judgment, you shall condemn. So the way that this looks is judging often means to just observe something. And when you observe something is not right, then you condemn that thing. But we're not condemning the person, right? We're condemning the spirit that's behind the person that would bring the, the tongue that would be risen up against whoever. But this is personal here. It says every tongue which rises up against you. So it's speaking to you. So you could say every tongue that rises in judgment against me, I'm going to condemn it. But if you want to take this a step further, you and I are one. Because we are one in Christ. And if you're one with him, and I'm one with him, then we're one with each other. So you know what? We should take this word and we should say, every tongue which rises up against me and my brothers and sisters in the Lord, I'm going to condemn that word because it doesn't belong. It could start in your thinking. It could be something you hear from somebody else. However it works, you should be, if, if you know, offense comes to put a guard up 
And sometimes that's okay. We just can't remain in a place of being an offense. Does that make sense? But we should have the same guard go up. Oh, wow. <laughs> we should have the same, the same kind of guard. Like if, if I had somebody sitting here, which I would never do this, but if I had somebody sitting here and, and I started to, let's just say it's you, I started to point out all of the negative things about you. Would you sit there and go, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, I know my hair is graying and I know, I, you know, I got the Dunlap disease going on and I know that my belly Dunlapped over my belt. Um, you know, I got whatever problem it is. I got this. You would sit there and go, oh, thank you. You would be like, oh, I can't believe there would be something rise up. And, and you should rightfully not stay in a place of being hurt, but say, you know what? I'm not receiving anything that you're telling me right now because you're looking at natural things, but God looks at the heart. God looks at my spirit. And I'm going to look at that. That same thing that would rise up towards us if things were coming towards us should be the exact same thing as if there was a person sitting in that chair, sitting in that place, and other people were saying things. There should be a rise up in you of how dare you say that about my brother and sister in the Lord? How dare you say that? And it wouldn't be coming against the people, but it's the spirit that would bring those things against the people that would break them down instead of build them up. Hallelujah. Man, it's awesome. So the question is, will you make a commitment in your heart to continue to sow and do good towards people, regardless of what they do? In fact, right in the face of doing anything that's wrong towards you, will you make a decision to continue to sow into them the goodness of God, the love of God, the blessing of God, the forgiveness of God? Will you just make a decision to do that? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I, I just thank you for this word. I bless these saints. I bless their homes. I thank you that their homes and their lives and their hearts are filled with the peace of God. Thank you, God. All of the accusations of the enemy against our brothers and sisters, whatever would come to us, either into our own ears from another mouth or that would rise up from some kind of offense inside of us, that Lord, we would cast down, we would condemn that word in Jesus' name. And we would think and believe and speak good, loving, kind, gracious thoughts towards our brothers and sisters in the Lord. For you have called us to be a unified people to do a great work in the earth. You have called us to do a great work in the earth. And I thank you with all humility, we'll walk with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. With all humility, with all humility and graciousness, we'll, we will fulfill the law of Christ and carry their burden for them. Because the hurt they're operating in is simply because they don't know who they are. But Lord, we're going to help uncover who they really are in Jesus' name. God, I just bless these saints in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you. Bless you. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.